Welcome back, everybody, to a Wednesday night episode of the Topic of Choice podcast. We've got some Paul Simon going on today from Graceland. That's the 25th anniversary. You can call me out. I want to welcome my guest tonight, returning for the second time, Mr. Chris Alford, all the way from San Antonio. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Joey. Thanks for having me on again. Looking forward to it, dude. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to tonight. And then joining us from Indiana, my good friend and college buddy as well, Michael Henderson. Mike, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad that you could be on here. So let's give some quick um, background to the listeners about the trio here that's, that's talking. I don't want to give a whole lot, but Mike, why don't you go ahead and just introduce a little bit of how the three of us uh, know each other. So obviously we all went to school at EKU, um, had a great time. Uh, Chris and I were in the same fraternity. Joey was a Sigma Chi and yep. uh, got to know each other. Uh, I would say mostly uh, after classes in downtown Richmond was probably the time that we spent most together. <laughs> um, of course, you know, my credit, Joey, is that uh, you and Sarah met at my house party. We do. We credit you. Yeah. That, that's right. That's right. So, uh, derby so party, the wasn't it? It was, it was a derby party. party. It was yeah. derby party. Yeah. 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 That was a great party. I think it was 2001. Was and we even have pictures of that day, I believe, when we were out on the deck and then into the evening as well. And I, I know there's pictures of that night. Yeah. Some of those pictures you should burn. Probably the ones yeah. of you and Sarah you can keep, but if you got any others, go ahead and get rid of those now. <laughs> but I think it was great. I mean, we've all remained friends ever since, and um, I mean, that's been 20 plus years ago. So. Yeah. Yeah, no matter, uh, it's funny, no matter how much time passes from when we all are able to talk and catch up, it seems like it's, it was yesterday. Yeah, I would agree with that, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Mike, you, after EKU, We'll do a little bit of a, just a, a quick update. Um, you guys are now in Indiana, correct? Yeah. So after graduation, I went to work for uh, our fraternity and spent two years traveling with them. Oh, that's and, right. And that's that, right. Yeah. Yeah. So which, which was a great experience and uh, came back to uh, Kentucky, went to work for a company in the plumbing industry, a manufacturer's representative in the plumbing industry. And really the only reason I went to work there is because a fraternity brother worked there and basically got me the job. And uh, like a lot of people in there right out of college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew I needed to make some money. And, yeah. um, and really that's what I've been doing ever since. Uh, I've been in the plumbing industry uh, since 1996 or 97, since 1997, I've been in, in the plumbing industry. Um, had an opportunity to start my own business in 2002 sold that business a few years later, um, and then went to work for a company and bought this business in 2017. So, Yeah, so anyone that's uh, uh, tuning in for the first time here, the, 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 uh, so you want to be an entrepreneur part two is tonight's episode, and, and I've asked Michael to join us tonight. So the last episode, the part one, where Chris joined us and um, Matthew Snotty, we all had a lot in common from the uh, small business uh, entrepreneurship and the small business owner. And I wanted to, I, I, I don't know how many episodes we'll have of this, but I wanted to have a, a, a secondary with Michael on because uh, Michael's um, business has gone way larger than the small business owner and the, and the entrepreneur from a standpoint of, of opening a, 
a shop for the first time like I'm doing. And, and like Chris did several years ago with, with his restaurants and how he's diversifying and, and how Matthew um, was even talking in the last episode of, oh, no. he likes that, that area that he's in. He does not want to get um, to, to a certain size, right? He was, he was saying he likes that, that area and that, that niche is perfect for him and that's great. Michael, on the other hand, tell us a little bit about your company now, where you are, your employees, and, and your growth, and, and, and just tell us a little bit, Mike, of, of, um, of, of where you are now, and then I want to jump back to how you got there. Yeah, so I think the, you know, kind of the first step is, is to, you know, entrepreneur, sometimes people associate that with somebody who starts a business, and while that's certainly a part of it, you know, entrepreneur definitely means somebody who runs a business, right, owns and runs a business. And I would say that, uh, you know, for us, uh, you know, the nice part about where we are now is even though we're much bigger than, say, you know, um, what people would consider a small business. I think that, you know, as people look at entrepreneur, you automatically think of somebody who starts a business. But really, entrepreneur means anybody who owns and runs a business. And I think that, you know, for us, um, I, I have both experiences. I started my own business from scratch a while back. Uh, and sold that. And then this business I actually acquired. And when I purchased the business in 2017, we had 16 employees. We were doing about 38 million in sales. Um, today, we're doing about 80 million in sales and uh, 31 employees across four states. We have two offices, um, one in St. Louis and one in Indianapolis. So, you know, we've been blessed to see quite a bit of growth over the last three years and what has transpired to do that. Um, but I would tell you that a lot of the challenges are exactly the same. The things that yeah. keep up Chris at night or you at night uh, are the same things that keep me up at night. And it might be on a different scale, mm -hmm. but, uh, but it's basically the same, the same issues. I think the interesting thing is, and I, I hope we get into this kind of discussion, there's a real kind of interesting place that you get to as an entrepreneur where, you know, early on as the owner, you are doing everything. And I think, um, you know, I heard Chris talk about that in your entrepreneurship part one, yeah. you know, you do the books, you do the HR, you bake the bread in the morning, you close the store at night, you do all those different things. And at some point your business grows to the point where you just physically can't do that anymore. Um, but there's all, but you also don't have necessarily the revenue to hire a lot of people. And a lot of people call that the dead zone, right? That's kind of in this particular revenue area. Uh, a lot of people define that as kind of a three to 6 million, right? So if you're in that three to $6 million range of revenue, you're running like crazy, but you just don't have enough money to maybe hire somebody to take those responsibilities for you. And then when you kind of get above that, you can start to put some pieces in place to kind of free you up to do some different things. But all of the problems along all those ways remain the same. So in that dead zone, how do you get past that? So that's the, that's the million dollar question, right? And I think there's a great book out there if you ever have a chance to read, and I'd recommend it for any entrepreneur. It's called Traction, and it's by this guy, Gino Wickman. And um, it teaches this system called the EOS, the Entrepreneur Operating System. And it's a system and a way to run your business. And there's some key steps along the way that they talk about that tries to, to propel you forward there. Now, you know, some people don't want to get above that, right? Some people want to remain small. And I think when you look at starting a business or owning a business, you're looking for one of three things. You're looking to either 
financially do something for yourself, right? Make more money or control your own financial destiny. You're looking to manage your time and your mm -hmm. schedule, right? I want to spend more time with my kids or whatever, or you're looking to have some sort of influence, you know, on a market or the world or however you want to look at it. And so I think that depending on what your goal is will determine you might not ever hit that dead zone. But if you're in that dead zone and you're trying to get out of it, the only way really to get out of it is to have a system. And I think that that's one of the things that's nice about this book is it teaches you a system to try to do that. Okay. So Chris, let me, let me flip a question to you real quick from a standpoint of uh, what Michael was talking about hitting or, or doing everything as the entrepreneur, as the business owner, and then uh, getting to a point to that dead zone do you feel that that is something, have you thought about that? Have you hit that at any point? I'm not talking from a financial yes, standpoint, but from uh, the, a position standpoint. You know, from a position standpoint, we, and we aren't, you know, our, 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 our gross, our top line sales aren't, you know, in that, in that dead zone. But if you talk about just having multiple businesses and, you know, whereas Mike, now Mike started his own business in the early 2000s, learned a great deal from that, spun it off, and then went back to work for a company. And then he has, I think, and again, he can either uh, rebuttal this or, or, or carry forth with the, uh, with the statement, bought an existing business and then has acquired additional territory on top of that. So whereas my efforts have been more grassroots and I've really had to build my own infrastructure whether it's with the restaurants or with the, uh, the, uh, the small construction company. And then of course, as we grow the, the property management uh, and our ownership there in, in central Kentucky is we're having to build from the ground floor, that infrastructure. And so it, it is very time consuming. And we, we, we are learning to, to delegate that authority and bringing in people as we have to. That being said, I think Michael learned a great deal from starting his company uh, at the, on the ground floor 15, 16 years ago and buying territory and businesses that are already established and have that existing infrastructure, I think has helped Mike be able to grow uh, exponentially more quickly than he would have been able to grow had Mike had to, you know, start all that uh, from square one. Mike, from what, to piggyback what Chris is saying, when I was... Uh, with the hospitality group, um, we're, I'm going to go back eight, nine, ten years now, and this was the organization where um, they had a, a, a small number of restaurants. And then when I was brought on board, key personnel were then brought on within 18 months after I came on board, and it it seemed like once these key personnel came in, and when I say key personnel, I'm talking everything from accounting in the financial department to the operations department to the HR, they started investing in people. And then that company skyrocketed. And, and we were opening one year, we opened 13 locations in one year, one year alone. And that was incredible. So with your growth, have you noticed that there is a trend with obviously surrounding your, your, your company and your organization with smart, good people to help propel that business forward. Oh yeah. I mean, that, that is the number one asset of any company it, uh, are there people. Um, you know, and I think that, 
you know, if you want to grow, if that's your goal, right? And, that, and that's our goal. Our goal is to grow uh, substantially and be a market leader in, in our industry. So if you want to do that, you have to have key people. And there's this old business cliche, right? Are you working in your business or are you working on your business, right? And, and so, you know, if I'm going in every day and I'm writing every purchase order and I'm packing and shipping every order and I'm trying to call customers, I'm trying to collect money and I'm trying to yeah. do all those things. I'm working in the business, right? Which means I can't go work on the business. So I would say that, you know, for us, one of the key things that we had was, yes, we hired a couple of key people uh, and, and gone, you know, and put those people in positions that then I have basically relinquished all duty to. So yeah. I have an entire group of my team that doesn't report to me. They report okay. to, you know, a customer service manager and I give her full autonomy to do whatever she wants to do, hire, fire, um, you know, raises, whatever she needs to do within a set group of parameters. And that's right. allowed me an opportunity to go chase some other things. I think the, the interesting thing about what you mentioned about hospitality group is also true is that when you get those people out to manage your business for you, then it opens up the door to see opportunities for acquisitions, mergers, or yeah. whatever you might be looking for. And that was a big key to our growth. In 2019, I acquired another company in St. Louis and, you know, acquiring that company and, and doing some things for them allowed us to have the growth that we've had. And Chris is exactly right, too. It's a thousand times easier to buy a company with an existing infrastructure and an existing business platform than it is to start one from scratch. It's a whole lot easier. Now, you still have to run that business right. and you have to have the right mind about it, but it is a Fair lot enough. easier. So, As you have... Um, gone through the the ranks of business and and you've been with big business and starting your business and buying businesses. Can you can you remember key individuals, whether positive or negative, that mentored you either subliminally or intentionally on your journey? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would tell you that I'm you know I, I'm not a great religious guy, Joey. Um, you know, but I, I, I kind of have a, a spiritual side that I think everything happens for a reason. Right. And, uh, you know, Chris and I personally went through some interesting times together in the early two thousands and, you know, both of our lives were moving in different directions and there were a lot of different things going on. And, and I, I would tell you that, um, first and foremost are the friends that I had around me. Um, mm -hmm. you, Chris, Jimmy, Jason, um, you know, guys that when I needed some help were there to support, you know, one of the key things that I remember early on was when I started my own company, um, I, uh, I had no money. <laughs> um, I was waiting tables nights and weekends at Texas was, Roadhouse. I was going to say, wasn't there a Johnny Carino's as well? There was a, yeah, I was bartending at John, Johnny that. Carino's. <laughs> that's right. You know, and, and, uh, and I remember the highlight of my night would be uh, when I could afford the $2 riblet basket at Texas Roadhouse <laughs> and, a, and a basket of bread at the end of the night. But things got so bad that I remember I went to the government assistance office. Mm. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to get some assistance. And, and I had nothing wrong with that. There are people that absolutely need that. Yeah, that's why but I remember it. sitting in that office and I remember thinking to myself, you know, what got me to this spot? How did I get here? Because when Chris and I lived together in Cleveland, I had a very successful job with a company and was doing really well. And, and I just remember thinking to myself, okay, something's not right. I'm not doing something right. I left the office. I didn't even meet with the assistance officer. 
went home. I took the next day off from Texas Roadhouse and I just spent that day kind of writing down some things. And I remember um, there was a great movie called The Score with Ed Norton and Robert yeah. De Niro. Yeah. And that movie came out way later past this, but there was a quote in that movie that resonated with me that took me back to that day. And Robert De Niro says, make a list of everything that you want in life and then spend the next 10 years getting it piece by piece. And I remember sitting in my little apartment that I had and I just made a list. And what it really came down to was I just wasn't working hard enough. I wasn't planning. I wasn't doing the things that you need to do to operate a business. And that was a real turning point for me. But the, along the way, there were always people, you know, whether it corporately or directly or indirectly, Bruce, who was at Texas Roadhouse, I mean, he was a great influence because he gave me a job. I had no, yeah. you know, no experience in that or whatever. But I just think that people touch you along the way yes. um, and every little piece helps. But I, I remember thinking that day right there that really when it all comes down to it, and, and you said this in part one, as an entrepreneur, the buck stops with you. I mean, yeah. you are the guy. And ultimately, your success or failure is going to depend on the amount of work that you put into it. Chris, you know, and, yeah. and, and let me just trumpet that just yeah. a little bit. In our, in our last conversation, we were talking about uh, when's the, is there a right time? Is there a wrong time? And I don't think the, that there's an answer to either one of those. It's just time. And I remember the conversation when Mike came in and said, man, I'm, I'm moving. Um, I'm going to start my I own remember company. That. And I'm like, you're doing what? Uh, when? Next week. And it was... It was, I took it abruptly. I mean, we were, we were 26, 27 years old. I mean, who, we didn't think like that. Uh, you know, you got up and you went to your job and we weren't, we didn't have a, I certainly did. Mike always has had the entrepreneurial mindset and, but he took a leap and here's a guy that worked all day on, on his business and then waited tables at night to, to achieve a dream. And almost and it's not as often anymore probably once a week we're able to talk but for so many years we were on the phone together three or four days a week and so when you talk about mentors Mike Henderson is a is very much a mentor of mine because I have been able to I've had ringside seats mm -hmm. to his growth and development and learning how to because you just don't walk into this you just don't read a couple of self-help books and know how to buy a business and acquire mm -hmm. business it's years and years of of water underneath your bridge of learning how to do this. And, and the buying process of a company isn't something that happens in two weeks. I don't know. I, you know, Mike, and it was years, it was years long in the acquisition process. And, but every day is a, just another feather, another, another nugget of knowledge that you gain yeah. when you're dealing with these other parties and learning that how to apply that in the future. And that is something that I have taken from Mike and his knowledge and my ability to, to watch him grow and thus apply some of his principles in my own business as I went out on my own is, and have hopefully, you know, continued and will continue to grow just not as, you know, not as an entrepreneur, but as a person, as a man as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, to give some texture here for, for some that, that don't know what Chris is talking about, you know, we've all known each other since, you know, we were 18, 19 years old, maybe, you know, somewhere in that range. And, you know, I'm 45, I'll be 46 this year. I want to say you guys are right there with me within that range. And it's taken, and this isn't for everybody. This is an applicable for, for every business owner or startup, but it takes decades 
sometimes in order to grow that brand or grow that, um, that idea. And there's a lot of pitfalls and there's a lot of mistakes and there's a lot of gains, the hills and valleys, if you will, uh, throughout the process. Um, but jumping back to the, to the mentor, uh, mentee aspect, uh, Chris, you have an opportunity now. You were talking a little bit from the, from the restaurant side. In your locations, you have younger individuals working for you. And, you know, does it cross your mind that your behaviors, your actions, what they see Chris doing when he's coming in early in the morning or leaving in the, in the evening is affecting them subliminally from a mentor and, and, and an example, uh, so to speak? It, it, it absolutely does 100%. Um, you, you have to understand that most, now you talk about my employees versus Mike's employees. It's really night and day because most principle, of my, I understand. the principles are the same. Yes. Uh, when it comes to mentoring, I have to be so, so much more than just the boss. Uh, you, you have to teach these kids how to, how to be young adults because most of them, don't come from a background that, uh, you know, uh, lent itself to being a, a hardworking individual, but, um, but absolutely. And again, I, you show up every day with a clean shaven face and your shirt tucked in because they will absolutely take from that. And if yeah. Chris, if Chris does it, then it's subliminally okay to do. So you really have to just hold the bar at all times. And it's, it's a daily process. Uh, it just, you can have all the, rudal, all the rules and protocols and procedures you want in place. Uh, but if you aren't adhering to that and, and have your measuring stick out almost on a daily basis yeah. uh, to make sure that that's being seen to, then you're, you're going to be, you're going to be sliding in the wrong direction. Hey, hey, Joey, I would tell you, I think Chris's labor challenge is greater than most companies because Absolutely. the majority of his workers I mean, they're high school kids, maybe early college. That's not their career choice. You know, the, probably the life cycle of a worker at his sub shop is 18 months, Chris, maybe 36 months. I mean, it's so he's got to constantly not only be the example every single day, but he's got to completely retrain yeah. people, you know, six, seven, eight times a year. That's what we found in the, in the restaurants uh, organization that I was with the most challenging aspect was labor yeah. because, because those individuals, it, it's such high turnover, you know, it's, it's, yeah. uh, and that's just the name of the game. Yeah. And I will, I will tell you where I have found success because I don't have the money to throw at these kids. This, some of the larger concepts out there do is you, you just have to be a good boss. You have to provide a good work environment and a good solid culture. Yeah. Because at, at the end of the day, money makes the, the world go round, but these kids will stick with you as long as they can or will if you provide them a good environment and yeah. just some true leadership, honesty, and, uh, you know, just, I don't even know how to put it in into words other than, you know, just being a true leader. Well, I, I, I have, I have, uh, from my standpoint, and I talked about this in the last episode was I've been fortunate to work for many organizations and I've seen a lot of good and I've seen a lot of bad. And from a mentor standpoint, like I asked Mike originally in the question, you know, have there been individuals that have influenced you positively 
and or negatively. I, I'm, I'm on that, that, uh, that, le- that spectrum there. There have been both. And I've been able to take both and learn from it. So Mike, then my next question to you is from a mentor mentee standpoint. Now, when you see that opportunity, whether it's a new sales exec that comes in or any individual within your organization, you know, are, is that something it's got to be on your, on your, on your, your mind to think of how you can, especially if you see raw talent of how to mold that. Sure. And look, I think, you know, one of the things that's key to any business person success is peer groups, right. And surrounding yourself with peer groups and different things or whatever. And, and you and I had talked about this, Joey, in a private conversation, but you know, the American dream is really not to own your own business. The no. American dream He's, is to sell your business. Sell it. That's right. right? That's and, right. and that's, that's the true American dream. And I think in order to sell a business, you need a buyer. And in order to get a buyer, it's got to be somebody that's familiar with your business and so forth. So yes, I mean, I think, you know, for us, and I mentioned you to this on the phone, you know, I'm 47 or be 47 here soon. Mm-hmm. I'm already trying to mentor the person who's going to buy me out in a few years. But I've also, we have some young 20 year old employees. I'm starting to mentor them about the possibilities that they have down yeah. the road. And I think the challenge is if you're 25, it's hard to see what 45 is going to be. Right. And, and to wait that 20 years. But, um, but I'm trying to coach them into that. And certainly in an industry like ours, it's not as sexy as IT, right? It's toilets and faucets and flush valves. I mean, it's plumbing. So it doesn't have that kind of sexy ring. But when I'm able to kind of tell those young people the life experiences that this has afforded me and what it's done for me, both personally and professionally, um, I, that's my goal is to hope that they can see what the future can hold for them. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it comes down to they got to want to put the work in, right? Well, you can you can key. mentor them, but that's the key. They've got to want to put the work in. And I would tell you that one of the things that it took me a long time to realize and really implement was you need to be quick to hire, but quick to fire. Mm. If somebody, somebody doesn't meet your culture or they don't meet your standards, uh, they don't share your core values. You can mentor them all you want, but if they don't possess those things, it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And And there's another fit for them somewhere else. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, and I can tell you with, 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 with what more Mike is saying is, and I learned this from Mike is that one, you always want to try to be the dumbest guy in the room. You're, you're never going to learn anything if you think or are the smartest guy in the room. And also, um, well, I had a second one here. <laughs> There's that age I guess, coming in. I guess, we, I guess we know who is not the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> I'm just riding coattails here, man. Yeah, thanks for proving that point. <laughs> how many, how many times have you ever come home and told told Jill or told Harleth or I'll tell Sarah, like, yeah, I was in this meeting or that meeting, and and I met so and so, and yeah, they're the smartest guy in the room or they're the smartest gal in the room. You just that one person in every meeting's got to be the one, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and if they're not, sometimes they'll tell you they are. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, well, Chris, if you if that if that uh, uh, thought comes up, you just blurt it right out, man. I will. Gonna, I will. We're gonna I, move but, on. <laughs> well, I'll start. I'm getting good at this. Let's just start taking notes and writing this stuff down as we proceed as these thoughts come out. The next podcast we have with the three of us, it's not going to be a a business oriented. We're just going to have a goof off podcast, and we'll have some bourbon and and uh, and and laugh the whole time. 
as long as you can edit it, we should just take an hour of telling stories and then see which ones we can actually let go. <laughs> we'll have about four minutes of a show then. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, think you're, I think you're being generous. Welcome to the topic of choice. And that's it for tonight. <laughs> no, I tell, you, I tell you what I was thinking, and Mike had always uh, said this, and I think this is an extremely valid point, is if you truly want to be successful, surround yourself with successful people. That was my, my second yeah. point. And I know a lot of what we're throwing out there is metaphorical, but the meaning is very true. And I know Mike and I, and you, Joey, probably know a lot of people and, and probably, you know, guys we went to college with who never would rise above, um, you know, the, maybe some of the social aspects of their lives and, and never could take that next step to get around the right people who could help lead and mentor them to greater things. And 20, 22 years out of, out of college, I think we've seen the detriment thereof. Yeah. I think there was, a, there was a, a period of years in my career where uh, I, I was the smartest guy at the table when it came to technology. And, and, I, and I don't know if that was an insecurity aspect that I had of just trying to be the sharpest razor within my peer group, with, especially with what I do. Um, now you know, after have been doing it almost 25 years, um, I want to surround myself with people way smarter than me every single time because I always have something to learn from them. And I'm going to be the first one to now, you know, uh, sit back, Chris, like you were saying, and listen more than I speak every single time because I'll always gain something, even from the new person that's been in the field, maybe a year, two years, three years or whatever. Um, but, but uh, you're never the smartest guy. You're, you always have uh, the ability to learn and, and grow. Uh, Mike, let me ask you this. What toll has it taken? And let's talk first from a standpoint physically. Yeah, so I, you know, I think um, uh, a lot of this, again, depends on what type of entrepreneur you want to be, right? Um, and, and what level of work you want to put into it. And I'll kind of give a reference and then kind of tell you. I, sure. So I have a friend of, uh, friend of mine in Louisville who's a great guy. He's an entrepreneur. But his goal in being an entrepreneur was to never miss a baseball practice, never right. miss a game, right? And so, you know, the work side for him is very minimal. And so as a as a result, his stress level is very minimal, but also his income is probably less than what it There's could be. There's a give be, and take. Right. There's, There's a, a give and take. Yeah. It's absolutely. And so I think that's the same thing here. So I, I would say, you know, one of the things that I um, have not done a very good job of has been taking care of myself physically. Some of that lends to the type of job that I'm in. I do a lot of entertaining. Yeah. Um, and, and Chris would tell you that he knows that as well. And, Although that's changed a little bit here recently because of COVID, the general premise has always been the same. A lot of client dinners, a lot of trips, a lot of things like that. Sure. As I've gotten older and, and realized how important really that the entrepreneur is as an asset to the company, it's silly not to protect that asset, right? And so I've started doing better. Um, don't drink as much. Don't eat as much meat you know, starting to exercise more, got a long way to go for that. But I would tell you that when you are starting your day at 430, and you're ending your day at 1130 or midnight, and you're doing that four days a week for 20 years, 
yeah, it, it takes a toll. It yeah. definitely does. And, you know, um, I think anybody who goes into being an entrepreneur that thinks that they're going to work less is kidding themselves. I mean, they really are. So, yeah. and, if they and want I think, to be successful. If they want to be successful, right? Or, or depending on what their definition of success. I was going to say whatever that looks like to them. Whatever that looks like to them, and, you know. And, and I think, you know, as you talk about taking a toll, same thing with family, right? You know, sure. I have a friend who's never missed a baseball practice. I can't say that, right? right, um, right. You know, um, I'm very fortunate, and then I have a loving wife who understands the role that our company plays and that I play in our household. I have two great kids who know that. You know, like my son's going to be turning 13. I'm going to be out of town on his actual birthday. Now we're going to celebrate, sure. you know, ahead of time, but he understands that that's part of my yep. job. Yep. You know, so it's part of it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I say, oh, people are like, well, who's he calling? Oh, that's what I call Chris. Go ahead. No. And, and just to, to what, to what Mike says, especially in the early on the, you know, hundred hour work weeks, seven days a week, uh, you, you miss stuff. Um, and, and if you have a working spouse, it, it's really, I used to use the, the metaphorical phrase, we'd pass like ships in the night. Yes. And of course, you know, the kids, once the kids were of a certain age, you know, like Mike says, his, his is going to be 13. They don't need constant care and they're, right. they're self-sufficient, self-sufficient and independent, but you know, there, there are things that you're just going to miss and, um, you know, that, but that's just part of it. Part of it. And you you either accept that going in and if you can't accept it well then you're probably in the, the wrong line of work anyway yeah. but again it's you have open lines of communication with your family you tell them what's going on where you're going to be and why you can't do something or why you can do something it's right. just you know it's uh it's tough sometimes it truly is yeah I, and i've been there i'm not a stranger to that I, I i have absolutely been there uh i've i've missed those events i've been in planes and in airports and and hotels when you're doing the facetime and you're doing the sorry i missed this buddy or or you know hey show me the replay of the dance and um so so there's so many i'm sure that are listening um that can um understand and sympathize with that but I think that what that does, though, is there's that, there's that bit of sacrifice now for a greater, um, I don't know, great, what do you say, greater opportunity later on uh, to where you can offer more. And I'm not talking from a monetary standpoint, I'm talking from a time standpoint, because you want to get to that point where, Mike, like you said, you sell, hey, I'm done. Yeah. And where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Right? Yeah. And I, I believe that there are three things that are tied together, right? Ambition, sacrifice, prosperity, mm-hmm. right? And those three, those three things are intertwined and dependent on how you tweak them determines different things, right? You have to have the ambition to go chase whatever vision you have, right? And whatever vision you have, there's going to be some sort of sacrifice. If you want to grow your business to a hundred million dollars and, and whatever, blah, 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 you're going to sacrifice time, you know, with yeah. your family, probably. Yep. If your ambition is to spend more time with your family, you're likely going to sa- sacrifice some of that financial success. Right. But at the end of that is prosperity. And that prosperity is everybody's individual definition, right? right. Whether that's financial or time or memories or whatever. And there's no right or wrong answer there, but you have to 
really reflect on what you want to do. And I kind of mentioned that earlier when we were talking about, you got to write down that list, right? Yeah. Of what yeah. do you really want? And then figure out what it's going to take to get there. When, um, when the hospitality company I was with was, they sold and, and uh, I went through, there were two acquisitions that we went through within about a year and a half. They were sold and then they were sold again. And I, and I jumped, right? And you all know this story. I'm, I'm explaining that for the, the listeners. But uh, I remember after it was all over and it was done and then I moved on to the next opportunity, that final opportunity, which is prior to me starting my own business, there was no travel. And I remember saying, man, I'm going to miss that. Or, you know, just the, the excitement of, of, you know, the, of everything that comes with the conferences and the, you know, cause there, there's a lot of work with it, but you know, I enjoyed some of it. You know, there was a lot of great experiences. Um, now I didn't travel like you, Mike, but, but there was a substantial amount, but it wasn't until probably three months, four months in, let's just say six months where I looked then and I thought, I don't miss it. I don't miss it at all. And now after not being on the road or traveling at all for three and a half years, um, I can't imagine getting back into it. And that's me personally. And that, you know, and that's just, that's where I'm at, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm like you, Joey, I grew tired of, of the traveling. Uh, I think, I think Mike, it has said to me before and, and maybe we'll say again that, you know, I, I travel more than I have to, but I travel because I enjoy it. I like being right. out on the road. You know, it, again, you talk about the sacrifice. It is time gone. It's time away from the family. But there's an aspect of, of Mike's personality and his drive. He just, he likes being on the road. You know, Absolutely. Mike's, Mike's always going to be. He's the entrepreneur, but Mike's the sales guy too. He, he wants to be out there in front of his customer. Well, yeah. And, and I think that that's a testament to Mike and, and, and the success of his organization. You wouldn't be where you are without you being who you are. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. And, and Chris, Chris is right. I like being in front of the customer. I like being in the field. Yep. Uh, I'm not an office guy, not a desk guy, I'm not a computer guy. Um, you know, and, and I think as we were talking about earlier about surround yourselves with people that are smarter than you. I think that's one of the things I learned early on was the things that I'm not good at and hire mm -hmm. people who are really good really at those good things, at yeah. you know, and because um, every company has to have a face of the company. And, you know, I would say Chris is the face of his company because he's in the store, mm -hmm. you know, when the customers come in and they see him and they see, you know, how he reacts. And same thing for you, Joey, when you interact with clients, although it might be virtual today mm -hmm. versus in person. So, and I think that, you know, it, it, look, if, if I had my druthers, would I, I'd like to stay home and, you know, sleep until 930 and, you know, maybe relax on the beach all day? Yeah, I probably would. That's just not the nature. That of day's coming, I, though. That day's yeah, coming. Yeah, that's coming. That's what you're working towards, right? But I think that, you know, back to your original question, you know, any business you do takes some sort of toll on you. Yeah. It's just it's just going to, you know, I think that as a business gets bigger, you're able to start kind of not only hiring the right people to do some things, but you also have resources to hire better lawyers, better accountants, um, people who can take some of those things for you. I mean, you know, Chris was talking in part one about doing the books. I mean, I haven't done the books in I, I can't tell you how long, right? Yeah. You know, we have a CFO that handles all that stuff and, and that type of deal. So I can't imagine, 
you know, the time that it takes Chris to go through all that and, and so forth. So there's a, there's different things you got to kind of figure out and, and the tolls that it takes or whatever. But I think as, as you get bigger and you start to kind of do some things, um, it doesn't necessarily get easier. It's just a different, different kind of challenge. Yeah. I don't know if either of you, um, I know you're not Mike, an Apple guy. Um, but I like watching what's that. I said, that's correct. I hate, no, Apple. I know you're not. I know you're not. Um, I like watching the, uh, uh, Tim Cook give every September they do the launch, you know, the release of the new products. It's, it's, I look forward to it every September simply because I like to see what Apple is going to introduce into the world. And one of the early things you were talking about, Mike, is why do you become a business owner? Why do you become uh, an entrepreneur? And, and one of those was to influence, right? The, the, uh, right. the, the people around you or the world around you. And, and I only use Apple because I watched it this morning because I missed it yesterday. Uh, and I look at that building. I don't know if you've watched it, but go on YouTube and just watch a little bit of this premiere. And they show the new Apple headquarters in depth. And it's, uh, you know, it was, it's a $5 billion um, office, a uh, campus that they, that they created. And as I was watching it, I was looking at all the people that, that it takes to run it, to, to, to work it. Everybody from the groundskeeper all the way up to the, to the CEO and all of the remote individuals. It's a huge organization. And you got to think it all started way back when, and we all know the Cupertino story, Cupertino story of Steve Jobs and Wozniak and, and, and everybody else. But it started with that idea. And, and I think it's amazing. That's what I love about the American dream is that you can have that idea and, 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 Take it to who knows where. Um, I don't know. I didn't mean to digress on that. I just, I, I love the fact that you can build a business that big. I think it's well, incredible. You see, you see these guys 30, 35 years ago and they're in somebody's garage or they're in a, you know, just a, a white drywalled room and they're, they're writing on dry erase boards and chalkboards and they're lining out a, a roadmap, a pathway to success. And again, as you said earlier, the principles are the same. It doesn't matter the widget. It doesn't matter if it's IT. It doesn't matter if it's plumbing. It, it just, the premise is the same. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. It's the utilization of those 24 hours. My day, Monday through Friday, starts at 0430. Um, doesn't necessarily have to, but there are certain things that I have to take care of every single day. Uh, some of that's personal, a lot of that's professional, but in order for it all to get done, I can't sleep until seven. I have to roll the clock back. Mm. And so those are, again, those are decisions I, I make personally and, and have made for a long time. Uh, but I don't think that you'll find anybody who is truly successful as an entrepreneur in their business sleeping in uh, and, and not fully capturing the time that's given us within that 24 hour period. Mike, are you a zero four thirty? Uh, I'm four thirty to five kind of depending on, uh, the day I'm not as regimented as Chris to get up at four thirty, but I find my best time is between five and seven thirty. That's when I really get the majority of my work done. And, but I want to touch on what you were talking about Apple. My favorite Apple story is, and I might get some of these names wrong, but, um, but to me, this is the true de definition of being an entrepreneur entrepreneur. Everybody knows Steve Jobs and Wozniak, right? Yeah. 
yeah. but a lot of people forget Ronald Wayne, right? Who I, who was a co-founder as well. And at one point when the business was struggling or whatever, he sold his Apple shares for $800. And I think those shares today would be worth something like $15 billion, you know? <laughs> and, and the story, what I like about that story, and I've actually used that with some of the younger people that work for me is when the chips got down, this guy cashed in. He right? was out. Well, he was out. But when it, what, what Steve Jobs and, and Wozniak did was they pushed all their chips in the middle. And, yeah. and I think that's the thing about being an entrepreneur is there's a lot of reward there, but you've got to be willing to take the risk, whatever that yeah. risk is, you know? And um, to me, that's the Apple story, right? Is yeah. here's two guys that said, you know what, we're all in on this thing and look where they, look where it took him. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what's next? What's next for Michael Henderson? Well, uh, we're in acquisition mode still. Um, I think that uh, it's been interesting about COVID um, and, and kind of what's happened. Um, you know, companies who have strong balance sheets uh, are well capitalized. This is actually a great time for those companies. Um, interest rates are at historic lows, both corporately and personally. Um, there's great acquisition opportunities out there. And if you have, like I said, a strong balance sheet, you, you've got a good opportunity to, uh, to really extend your credit and do some great things. So we're very fortunate in our field to be one of those companies. Uh, so we're definitely looking at some acquisition opportunities, we're looking at some expansion opportunities, we're looking at hiring more people um, and doing some things. So we're, we're real excited about that. Um, you know, you can't control the economy. Uh, we're in the construction business. And so kind of depending on, you know, how things go, um, construction can be up or down. But I think, you know, in our business, we see this as a great time to really take advantage of some market opportunities. Mike, how can people find you? Where can they learn a little bit about you, contact you, um, whether it's a customer uh, contact or somebody maybe looking to, to start up with you guys? How do, how do they find you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me personally on LinkedIn. Our company is on LinkedIn. Uh, we're, we also are on the web. It's uh, P-M and Associates. So if you Google P-M and Associates, that'll take you uh, to our website. And uh, before we go, Joey, don't forget, I want to add my commentary to your soundtrack uh, podcast. Let's do it. From a few, from a few, uh, from no, a few weeks gonna... ago. I really like that podcast. And your friend Lisa is a great podcast. She's a fangirl. She's the, yeah, she's fantastic. She, she was fantastic. And uh, Garrett and Hunter were great too, but she was really, really good. But I had to offer my three choices. Uh, this is in no particular order. Okay. But I will tell you my favorite score is Last of the Mohicans. Oh, the violin. Uh, that, that scene right there is just fantastic. And that gets you pumped every time. So, uh, I would definitely put Last of the Mohicans. I would put probably my best soundtrack, overall soundtrack, kind of going off of Lisa's criteria about number of hits. I'm going to go with Purple Rain on that. Oh, joint. oh, you know, nice. Uh, yeah, you know, there, were, there were four mega hits off of that soundtrack. And for those of us that were in the 12 to 13-year-old range, Darling Mickey, while not a popular radio play, <laughs> <laughs> it's still a great song. That's right. I and had to then, sneak that song, Michael. I had to right. sneak it. Yeah. You had to turn your, your, your record right. player way down. And then, uh, and then I'm going to probably put my, probably my, the best overall, and this is kind of going off your Quentin Tarantino theme, 
I'm gonna have to go with Pulp Fiction. Oh, probably see, I'm not a, yeah, the, that was the best Garrett. Soundtrack guy. That, no, was, that Garrett. was Garrett. Garrett, yeah. Garrett was talking about that. Yeah. So, so those would be my top three. Those are good choices. My, uh, I love your last of the Mohican choice right there. That was that's brilliant. I forgot all about that. That I need to watch that movie again. That movie's that's great, and movie. the, the the violin song is called Promontory, and uh, and it's great if you uh, if you're going to go get in the gym and get your workout on, which I don't do nearly as much as you guys do, but that's a good starter to get you in the mood. So that to me that was it. Now Braveheart's a close second, but I put Last of the Mohicans up there first. So. Well, with that, let's just turn this up a little bit. I love it. With that, signing off, uh, Michael Henderson, Chris Alford. Thank you guys once again for joining me. Um, This is the Topic of Choice podcast. My name is Joey Police. You can find us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, anywhere you find your your, uh, podcast, guys. Don't forget to download, rate, and review. We'll be here next Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. It was great, Joey. Thanks, fellas. Always, always fun. Love you guys.